The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Alrighty, everyone, welcome to the Barca Blogarnas podcast. My name is Josh. I'm joined once again by Matt Wiltsey, who uh, in our last conversation, we you know previewed La Liga returning after the um, after the suspension due to COVID-19. And uh, I, I made myself a mental note when we had him on initially that I would have him on regardless of how the season turned out to uh, to talk about things. And so, uh, Matt, here we are. Hey, Josh. Yeah, always a pleasure to be back on the uh, Barca Blaugrana podcast. And uh, I think from my perspective, obviously, I'm a little bit happier to be on this podcast, I'm sure, more than uh, most of your, mm-hmm. your Barca listeners. Oh, yeah. I'm expecting just like a flurry of comments about how they, you know, because I mean, we're going to talk a lot about Real Madrid today and uh, it's going to make a lot of people mad, but I don't care because I'm interested <laughs> in it. Um, so just like right now. How are you feeling? How, uh, what is this? I, I guess just starting off, what does this title mean without Cristiano Ronaldo? This, this title was a statement from Real Madrid and more so from anyone. It was a statement from Zidane. I think he proved all the doubters wrong. He proved that it wasn't just Cristiano Ronaldo carrying this team. He proved that he can adapt and change. I mean, he turned this team that lost 7-3 to Atletico Madrid in the preseason into the one of the best defensive sides in Europe, uh, and who? When do you ever say that about Real Madrid? Um, so I think all a lot of the credit has to go not just to the players, but to Zinedine Zidane. I think all Madridistas are just um, we, we we love this guy. We basically have a shrine to him now because um, everything he touches turns to gold. Zidane is he's incredible. Words don't do him justice. Yeah, and. I think uh, from the Barcelona perspective, right, I, I think that was like one of the jabs that you were able to throw uh, whenever people talked about how great, rightfully so. And it was never like a jab that was, uh, that had any substantial backing to it that, you know, Zidane was just winning because of Ronaldo or whatever. But um, it does definitely help his legacy. And I'm sure um, winning in this strange season where they were down and they had to, you know, like everyone else had the suspension due to COVID and to be able to come back and to adequately prepare and to do all of this without really like the typical Real Madrid attack that like is like the stereotypical form of them. And I guess I, that, that leads into another question is like kind of what's the club and the fans and your temperature, I guess, on Eden Hazard right now? Um, Eden, obviously it wasn't a good season. He himself admitted it was the worst season of his career and it's all down to injuries. I think the thing that has a lot of Real Madrid fans concerned is that Eden is no longer 26, 27. He's not, I mean, we just lost a peak year. He's turning 29, um, or he is 29. He'll be turning 30 next season. This isn't a guy who's um, got many years within him. And so we, out of like four or five good years we might still have, we just lost one. 
So that's that's the concern. Um, I do think I, I'm pretty confident he'll be able to turn around next season. And I think he will, as long as he can stay healthy, prove to be a really pivotal player for us and prove to be someone where we can uh, get a few more goals because obviously that's where we're lacking. We rely so heavily on Benzema. I know you recall that the last time we spoke um, after the Classico that I said my only concern about the La Liga title running is that we only get goals from Benzema. And I'm, I'm worried that um, he'll, he'll be our only resource and that won't be enough. And fortunately, the lockdown actually helped us because Benzema was dropping off prior to the lockdown. Um, and obviously when he came back, he was on fire. So uh, that, that was an added benefit for Real Madrid, but I do think Hazard will come back next season. I do think he'll contribute and not just with a few goals. Cause I mean, that's not what his game's predicated on. I think his game's predicated on chance creation and uh, just causing havoc in the final third. And so, to get that uh, and to get that final product because you, you get a bit of that from Vinicius, but obviously the final product is still not there with, with uh, the young Brazilian, but um, Hazard, I think will bring that to our game and it will, it will be, I mean, I know Spanish outlets like Marca and us always make the, uh, always put the headline out uh, Hazard and Asensio new signings, but in reality, they, they are going to be like new signings for us next season. Yeah, and I, I think so. Like when Hazard was at Chelsea, um, the first couple of years when he kind of came onto the world class stage, I had watched a lot of Chelsea football. They were kind of the Premier League team I kept up with, and I think the thing that always struck me about him was he'd have these, you know, these flashes of brilliance, right? And he was always one of the most tackled players in the Premier League. He'd get beat up just because he—that was the only way to theoretically stop him. Um, and kind of the prevailing conversation around him was like if he is to go somewhere like La Liga he's going to flourish because you know it's not as physical um and that was both you know the stereotype of La Liga but it's also partially true like that he's just not going to get tackled as much um but he always between the injuries and the games where he just disappeared it always felt like there was a little bit of missed potential every time you know, you took like a six week segment of um, his time whenever he was healthy. There was never like a, a period where he just dominated consistently. There were always games where he was up or down um, moments where you saw these flashes of brilliance where it looked so easy for him, messy like. And then you just wouldn't see those efforts, you know, for the rest of the match or for a couple more matches. And I think as he gets older and as the injuries kind of continue to plague him, it becomes more concerning just from like a, a fan of Hazard, right? It's like, are we ever going to see this unleashed Hazard in La Liga where um, he's healthy and he maintains a level of consistency that we haven't seen in quite some time? Yeah, I mean, his only real positive impact this season was in November um, versus Ibar and then PSG. And then obviously the PSG matches when he got injured. Um, and so that ankle has never really recovered even now. I mean, you saw during the, the lockdown, we all expected him to be back. He played a couple games. And then, uh, as the Don said, he still has discomfort in that ankle. So I'm hoping that this off season, a bleat, a short off season, it's only going to be what, like a month, um, after once the champions leagues all finished, um, Hopefully he has some time to just rest, recuperate, get that ankle feeling good ahead of the new season. And we do, to your point, get to see the best of Eden Hazard in La Liga because we haven't seen it. And so I think I think fans fans of the game, regardless of what 
team you're, you support. I think it's always nice to see such an aesthetically pleasing player like Eden Hazard play. Yeah, and so talking about another Real Madrid player who is uh, always continually in an interesting position, uh, Gareth Bale. Are you ready for another summer of uh, Gareth Bale rumors? Oh, God. So, well, I don't know if you, you've seen this, um, but his agent, Jonathan Barnett, comes out almost every day to refute any uh, there's a joke amongst Madrid fans that like this guy he comes out so quick to refute any rumor and so he he is adamant that Bale is going to stay that Bale is going to collect and uh, be a part collect every cent of his two-year contracts left and be a part of this Real Madrid team um, from a Madrid perspective obviously you you have both sides of the spectrum fans that are just absolutely livid and just feel like Bale is a parasite and his attitude has been um, just deplorable. And then you have the other side of the spectrum, which are your your hardcore Bale fans who say uh, how he's been treated by Zidane and the club and he's a legend and we haven't treated him properly and everything. he's Wait, just to jump in for a second. So there are people who think that, that Bale has had a bad attitude. Oh, you, you haven't seen this? I mean, I, I, I guess like, so again, like on the outer peripherals, right? Like I thought that there were, that Madrid fans wanted, that the, the segment of Madrid fans that wanted him sold, right? Just weren't impressed by his performance. I didn't know that there were people who thought that he was misbehaving. Oh, no, there's a ton of, I mean, even my, myself, I'm a little disappointed with how he's behaved. Um, he's so... I'll just try and rattle off a l- number of different. Yeah, because like I always perceived him as like kind of like the quiet, not warrior, yeah, but like just kind of the quiet yeah, guy, right? That's what you think of Bale, but it, it over the last year he's just been so nonchalant and kind of a I don't give a shit attitude that it, it's kind of infuriating. So he's um, let me try and think of some of the the bigger items that he's done over uh, over the last year. Well, so there's obviously the Post-lockdown, there's a ton of images going around of him sleeping on the bench. Uh, I think that one was just like, I think he was more or less joking around with some of the guys and shouldn't be made that big of a deal. Um, There's another one of him on the bench, like looking through tape like a goggle, using tape as like goggles and just joking around. Uh, um, He consistently would leave when he was not part of the squad call-up. Uh, all the guys who aren't part of the squad call up go to the Bernabeu and watch the match. And he would consistently leave early, even in games that were like deadlocked 1-1 in uh, Madrid. I- I'm blanking on which game this was, but Madrid eventually went to win with like a 90th minute winner. And he would leave early. Uh, and like everybody, all the rest of the team went down to celebrate with the dressing room and Bale didn't go down. Uh, he just went home, left early. Um, obviously, the uh, Wales Golf Madrid thing ruffled a lot of fe- ruffled a lot of feathers. Um, I'm missing. A, I feel like I'm missing a couple other ones. Uh, now he does golf poses in every single training uh, picture. Whenever like uh, the victory, the team that wins in training does like a victory pose, and he always does a golf <laughs> a golf pose. Uh, which is tug in cheek. Like, I don't have a problem with that, but some of the, like some of the other stuff, like leaving early um, and just his overall performances when he does get on the field, like he just doesn't put any effort. He doesn't look like he looks one third of the player he was. Um, 
he's just it's it's really strange i've never seen such a dramatic like change in attitude and drop off and you can tell that the relationship between him and Zidane is zero. Like it is yeah. so cold and that they don't, I mean, there's nothing there. So you do have fans on both ends of the spectrum. Um, and part of me like doesn't, and again, like you would never excuse attitude, like, you know, leaving early and all that. And part of me is also just like, man, like people have thrashed him and thrown him under the bus for years for like that's his before kind of this view, yeah for like for like not really that much of a reason like he was kind of the quiet guy who just performed well he didn't necessarily perform up to the money he was paid for but that's not his fault um and so it is kind of just like a man like i don't know like you you don't excuse either side but it is kind of so frustrating because like it would have been kind of nice to see him sold like three years ago <laughs> yeah you know and now and it's just I, so late I in think- the process like what happens Exactly. And I think that's where now Madrid fans are getting frustrated is that he's obviously not going to be a protagonist under Zidane. He's obviously, he's the highest paid player on the squad. And so for him to be raking in that type of money when those wages could be used elsewhere to bring in other reinforcements or to prepare an eventual Mbappe type package, uh, hopefully next season, that's where fans get frustrated because like this guy it they feel doesn't deserve uh the contract he's 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 on right now and doesn't deserve like a bit part player shouldn't be the the top paid player at the club and so uh i don't see this getting resolved i think bell is going to stay for at least in another season i think he very well intends to stay both seasons he loves living in madrid uh his family's settled and he's got a contract that Let's be honest, Josh, no one else in Europe is going to pay him that. And no one's going to pay a transfer fee, especially uh, in this COVID market, for a 31, soon to be 32-year-old who's injury prone and hasn't performed well in over 18 months. So that's that's kind of the reality of the situation. And it's just leaving Real Madrid and Bale are both stuck in an awkward position. Yeah, and it it honestly seems like the way it's going to play out is it's just going to kind of continue with this stalemate until he performs incredibly well at Euros with Wales, and then uh, and then maybe they can sell him for a little bit. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, but so where does Zinedine Zidane rank in terms of like I guess the Real Madrid pantheon of managers at this point? Because like I think um, I think a lot of people would have said like you know in his first couple years when they were winning everything that it was like okay this is like great and all and this is very impressive um but like let's see it longer let's see more consistency um this is just like a domestic title right like nothing crazy he's going to win more of these he's already won them um but like how how do you perceive him in light of real madrid history at this point so he's already i mean if you look at real madrid managers throughout history there's only been one manager who um has lasted longer than Zidane at this point. And that's Miguel Munoz. And he's one of the, he is the most legendary Real Madrid manager. He is, he was manager for 14 years, um, was part of that European cup dynasty um, from the sixties. And so he's, he's kind of the ultimate manager. I don't think, I mean, not even Zidane would be able likely to top Miguel Munoz just because he was there for so long. Um, but Zidane, I think, is already within probably the top three, Josh. I think it's it's not crazy or outlandish to say that. I think he will eventually be number two 
um, once it's all said and done. And it's just the amount of trophies he's won in such a short amount of time uh, is, is incredible. And if you look, there's a, a recent stat going around that since 2016, when Zidane started managing, uh, no manager has won more trophies, not even Pep Guardiola. Uh, has won more trophies since he started managing and he took a 10 month break in between all that. So uh, it is, it really is an incredible stat to just think of, sit back and think about. And like this, I think people always tried to just discredit Zidane as a manager of egos and just, he's was this incredible player. So everybody just respects him, but I think he's proven he's so much more than that. Um, And honestly, as a Madrid fan, I've, I've been a Madrid fan since 2003. And so obviously through that time, we've gone through many, many coaches. Um, And I've never been happier with a coach. And I know I'm really singing his praises right now, but I just, I think the way he handles the squad, the way he rotates his ability, he's not afraid to, I mean, he's got cojones. He's not afraid to take big decisions and big games. Um, I do think some of his in-game management can still improve. And I do think, um, some finding just kind of more principles of play in Real Madrid's game and uh, developing their offensive patterns for next season to really get the best out of that attack. I think that's what can take him to the next level. But overall, I've been just uh, – the guy just has thoroughly impressed me, and I really think he has learned and adapted in this second tenure. And listen – I'm going to get flack for this being like a, you know, pro Madrid. Po- I honestly don't care. Like just for a second, <laughs> I just have to say like from the Barcelona perspective, right? Like I, I can't even begin to express and I will try to express in words how jealous I am of Zinedine Zidane. Like not in terms of like, oh, I wish Zidane would come manage Barcelona. Right. But just in terms of how perfect he fits Real Madrid, um, obviously the history there, but just like his presence, his, the way he acts, the way he manages. And like you said, like the in-game stuff, like that'll come with time and tenure. Um, but everything about him is just, he, he's the perfect stereotypical, like you, you could build in like a, a lab Real Madrid manager. And, um, you know, Barcelona had that with Pep Guardiola and yep. I, I, I struggle to, you know, I wonder if they'll ever, while Lionel Messi is still at the club, be able to create another kind of, you know, perfect Barcelona-esque manager with his, you know, with where Messi is at his career, not in terms of talent, but in terms of kind of like the LeBron James quality, right? Like just like the mere presence they have at where they're at. It's difficult for other people to um, grow into specific roles, both on the pitch and, you know, as a manager. And so um, I look forward to the day when, uh, you know, Chavi returns and is immediately fired in you know 18 months because yeah. you know Messi isn't happy with how things are going. But I, 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 well, I kid, kid, of course, I hope that doesn't happen. But yeah, well, let me ask, you, let me turn the tables on you and ask you this: What? So, I guess give me your feelings on Kike Setien, and do you think he will stay? I, I mean, I've seen rumors of Lauren Blanc, which to <laughs> me seem underwhelming. What's what's your opinion? On oh that? my gosh, man! So the, the I, and I guess like. I've recorded a podcast last week and then like o- over like the weekend and everything, like all of a sudden it became like, what does Kike need to do to save his job? And I was just like, wait a second, what? Like I thought, <laughs> I thought they hired him to like a multi-year deal. And this was like a, um, not necessarily a, a short term thing, but it was like, you know, a year and a half, um, you know, Chavi will be ready in a couple years and, uh, then we'll bring him on board. Like I, I'm frankly, 
stunned that they would, <laughs> if this were to happen, if they were to fire him and bring in Lauren Blanc or really anyone else except for Xavi at this point. And I, I think it would be a mistake to bring on Xavi this summer with where Barcelona are at. But I, I really don't know. I'd like to say like, no, these rumors are rubbish. Like he's not going to get fired. But with how, <laughs> with how Barcelona are currently run and how the fan base works and the the machine that is like somehow the players are already dissatisfied with him um and i i I just i don't get it like he was put in an impossible situation and has done like an okay job um he's not an overwhelmingly good or bad job just like a very neutral job and i just think it's crazy that they think firing him and bringing in literally anyone else will fix the problems that are currently (laughs) existing you know yeah no i agree i think I mean, no, it's so hard for any manager to instill their ideas and their systems and get the players into their habits within six months. Like that's just incredibly difficult. I'm always of the opinion you have to give a manager a full season. Um, and so especially these six they, months, right? Like the, the, the last exactly, six months that we've exactly, had. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So and if anybody needs and if any type of coach needs that, I feel like it's Kike Setien because uh, he's very, he's very clear with his ideas and how he wants to play. And, um, he's got this instilled belief in how he should play and kind of the Barcelona way, the Cruyff way. And so, um, but for you to pass that on and for those training methods and those habits to be instilled and for the team to buy in, it takes time. Um, and I don't know, I kind of get the feeling that uh, some of the senior members, Messi, Suarez, et cetera, haven't bought in fully, which is, which is strange. Cause I mean, I know so many Barca fans wanted it to be, Oh, the next disciple of Johan Cruyff. Yeah. And the thing is like, I feel like that style and that preferred methodology would work if given time. Um, and I just, I, I don't know if like Messi, you know, he really, <laughs> and the whole Messi thing is so complicated too, right? Because I actually am of the opinion that the whole like Messi leaving next year isn't like a, a ruse. Like I think he's actually thinking about it. I think he'd be a fool not to think about it, right? Yeah. Um, I, I think he looks at someone like Ronaldo who hasn't necessarily, you know, he hasn't won the Champions League with Juventus, right? But like you don't need to... <laughs> you don't need to stay at the the club you've been at forever to continue to be successful. And perhaps Messi's thinking about some sort of reinvention elsewhere. And maybe that's why he's being so, um, I think, inwardly brash, uh, if that's possible. But like he's being, you know, I think inter Barcelona, he's like being more brash than he's ever been. And I wonder if that's because he's just trying to, you know, try all these different things to make something work so that he can convince himself to stay next year because he like thinks he needs to go. I don't know. There's a lot of moving pieces. And unfortunately, um, there's not a ton of time to figure that out before Messi makes some sort of decision. And like, I think he's going to stay because he's very different than Ronaldo in a lot of ways. But I think he's, I think he is as big a part of this problem as other pieces are at the club. And I, it's going to make some people mad to hear that, but I, I, I think yeah. his personality at this point, his opinions on things are becoming kind of overwhelmingly um, distracting. And I think it's it's difficult for the club to have a unified voice. And I don't necessarily blame him for being frustrated with how things are going, um, but I also don't know if there's a solution in place that uh, <laughs> that like will work because they just yeah. keep you can't just keep swapping out managers every you know, and yeah. they're not swapping them out every six months. Like that would be even if they do it with Setien, like obviously Valverde was there for longer, but like you get what I'm saying. Like yeah. it feels like as soon as you arrive, you don't have a chance. And frankly, like that's how things felt at Real Madrid for a little bit, right? Um, yeah. 
and you eventually have to get over that. And Real Madrid struck gold, right? Um, you don't always bring on a manager and he immediately just like collects silverware. Like he's like, you know, just going <laughs> shopping at the grocery store, but yeah. um, they're going to have to figure out some way out of this because just firing Setien in a month or even if Barcelona. Um, oh, it's, it's, so let, let me ask you this. If somehow Real Madrid advance and Barcelona advance and then Barcelona make it past Byron, um, w- would you be threatened at all of this Barcelona team if you saw them in the semifinals? <laughs> Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, this Barca team still has so many quality players. Like, I, I don't care what you say about just like their form or um, the way they're playing right now or whatever it may be, their issues at the back. But at the end of the day, there's still so many quality players. And when you put it into a knockout, especially now it's not two ties, it's just a one-legged tie, uh, anything could happen. And when you have Lionel Messi and your team. I don't, I mean, that that's the other thing. I mean, for Real Madrid, I think whenever you're going against a guy like Lionel Messi, I mean, in the league alone, he had 20 assists and over 20 goals. That's, that's ridiculous. I mean, we don't, we don't have anyone like that uh, in our squad capable of that. And so um, whenever you're going up against that, it's always a chance. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, the day I always try like it would be incredible to witness but uh, I'm, I'm and I'm curious to see if this would be your perspective it'd be incredible to witness but the day it actually happens I think all fans would just be a nervous wreck and have heart palpitations all day is a, a classico Champions League final yeah I I mean I, I don't know part of me like really looks forward to that and part of me just uh, doesn't wants to doesn't want to see that happen um The the last thing I want to ask you about, and this is totally out of left field and frankly, just my personal interest. So one of the players that I used to love watching at Real Madrid was um, Danny Caballos, and he's currently on loan for Arsenal um, or at Arsenal. He's been playing pretty well. How do you feel about his, um, do you think he's going to be sold? Do you think he's going to return? Because frankly, I kind of miss watching him and uh, yeah, that's kind of it. That's what I wanted to end on a random Danny. So yeah, yeah, no, um, he, unfortunately I do think, he will be sold. Um, and he's actually played, I'm sure you've seen that this final part of the season under Arteta, he's played really well. Um, he's finally coming into his own. He's made this, he's actually playing a little bit more in a deeper role, a deeper defensive role in the, in the midfield, but it's worked for him. He's almost cruise like in that he builds everything out from the back. Um, and Arteta just has the utmost faith in him. And so I have a feeling that, uh, Real Madrid will just cut their losses and say, hey, he's not a part of Zidane's plans. We're looking to um, bring in some cash after COVID-19. So let's let's sell Donny to Arsenal. It's a good fit and move on. Um, so I do, I don't, I mean, I don't see him having a Real Madrid future. I hope I'm wrong, honestly, because I have a soft spot for him and I really like him. Um, but as of today, I just... I don't know. I get the feeling that Real Madrid are likely going to sell him. Yeah, that sucks. Um, what about, <laughs> so another Real Madrid midfielder that I used to love watching is uh, Mateo Kovacic. Uh, how heartbroken was, uh, you know, because I know the managing Madrid staff used to drool over him from what I remember. Yeah. Reading. So how have you guys recovered from him being gone? Are you hoping he returns? Yeah, I think uh, Fede Valverde has helped um, deal with that kind of deal with that loss. Yeah, he's, he's a not, nice distraction. Yeah, he's not. A, they're actually somewhat similar players in the fact that they had the ability to um, 
move up the field quickly while carrying the ball. Um, but yeah, Kovacic, uh, he's just so, when he gets in his groove and he beats one, two, three players just on the dribble and just, um, he was, he was fun to watch. And I think he's, he's, he has found a good place at Chelsea, but, um, it was, I think initially like when that loan first happened and I think everyone kind of knew in the, in the pit of their stomach that he probably wouldn't stay around and everything he was saying on social media, he like said a farewell and everyone was like, Hey, Kovacic, it's just a loan turned out. I mean, he did ultimately get sold. And so I think we've had a couple of years to, to digest it. So it's not as bad now, but yeah, we, I mean, we still, even now when I watch him, I'm just like, Oh, it would have been perfect right now because we obviously Modric is, is starting to come to the end here. Our midfield is getting a little bit older and we need, we need that depth of midfield. We really don't have that many pieces. So he would have gotten plenty of t- playing time, but he just didn't want to wait around. Yeah. All right. Well, that's enough uh, juuling over Real Madrid. Um, if I saw the <laughs> podcast uh, coming up, you know, maybe, maybe we'll talk to you again if uh, the Champions League works out uh, a little bit differently than um, it seems like it's going to work out. But thank you for joining us. Congrats on winning La Liga. Congrats on uh, Zidane and uh, everything that's happening with Real Madrid. So enjoy writing about it. Enjoy podcasting about it. Check out the Managing Madrid podcast, everybody, if you can't get enough of Real Madrid talk. Um, <laughs> some of you are going to joke that this has turned into the Managing Madrid podcast uh, for this episode. But either way, Matt, thank you for joining. Hey, Josh. Thank you. Take care.